Welcome to Improv Interviews. I'm Margot Escott, and I am a psychotherapist and an improviser. And today we have a wonderful guest. And I have to say, I'm very, very honored and humbled that Mr. David Pasquizi is has time to chat with us today. Hi, David. Hi, Margot. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So one of my goals is for us to have fun today because you've done 10,000 podcasts and, and really you've shared so much. And of course, I read Pam Victor's book years ago when it first came out and was rereading it today again. And I, I That's just- That's interesting that you refer to it as Pam Victor's book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, TJ and Dave were kind of in the book. Uh, improv at the speed of light. With at the speed of life. Mm -hmm. Speed of life, sorry. And um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to mispronounce everything today. <laughs> so, yeah. And a lot of people may know you from your work, which is just humongous. Um, so many film, TV, writing credits, it's just beautiful. But I wanna go back as a therapist to your childhood. And one of the things I'd like to know, I'm not sure how far back you can go, but if you could go back maybe to seven or eight years old um, and tell me what your family was like and what, what kind of games and things, cause you grew up outside of Chicago in a suburb, is that correct? That's correct. I grew up in Lake Bluff, Illinois. Um, and uh, seven or eight. What, is that a is that a grade yet? Is that first grade? Second grade, third grade. Okay. Um, second grade, third grade. What games? We used to. Well, there was a gang of boys that lived in our neighborhood, and we all hung out together. And I was a I was the youngest of that group of boys. It was about eight or ten boys, and um, I was the youngest. And so we'd run around, and we we grew up in you know. Uh, go in the summer. Um, it was leave in the morning and come back for lunch if you felt like it, but come back when this kind of like when the street lights came on. Um, and that was it. You weren't allowed to hang out in the house. You were you had to be outside. And it was great. We had these huge woods right behind our house, and there was you know freight train tracks, and it was it was pretty wonderful. That's great. Now, tell me a little bit about the family you grew up in. What was your position in the family and what were your folks like? I have two older brothers um, and uh, my folks were great. My dad was working a lot, so he just wasn't around a, a ton. But we all sat down. We had dinner every single night um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, it was always mom was real funny. Dad, dad was pretty funny, too. And he appreciated humor. Um, so it was a, a sense of humor was uh, a value of value at our house. And what it was fun, you know, getting people, getting the, my, you know, getting your brothers to laugh was pretty fun. And did you have a large extended family in the area? Yes, uh, all in the northern suburbs. It was uh, uh, on my dad's side. It was all an uh, Italian American community up there, and um, we had a lot of relatives. A, lot of, a whole bunch of cousins and second cousins and we get together. It was, it was pretty great. It's pretty nourishing childhood then. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was really great. And uh, 
wonderful. The area was wonderful place to grow up in, uh, up in the suburbs. Um, I once I reached a certain age, I could not wait to leave it. However, um, but as a child, it was a perfect place to grow up. And I got you know, even though it was pretty tame, I was able to find a way to get in trouble. So. Good for you. I like that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> now, you were born in 1960. Mm -hmm. And um, did you watch much TV? And were there family shows you would watch together? Or? Uh, we did watch TV, not a ton. It wasn't, we kind of weren't allowed to turn it on during the day and stuff like right. that. Um, I do remember in high school watching SNL with my dad. And him just I, I i still don't recall him laughing as hard as he did at, at some of that stuff uh it was pretty fun pretty and fun. us too it was great uh uh grow up really liking buster keaton um the marx brothers uh and then um monty python and saturday night live well that's a good education in comedy so but when you were a kid um oh also did you go to catholic school I did. I went to Catholic grade school and then public high school. And then I ended up at Loyola for college. Now, I, I heard that you were studying philosophy there. Is that correct? That is correct. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. So Kant, Kant and Socrates and all those people. Yeah. Yeah. I actually uh, think about them still frequently. Good. I was going to be a philosophy major, but I really didn't like the teacher too much. So I switched and to English. <laughs> that was what it was for me. I had no interest in philosophy, but I ended up having one teacher that just, I really liked him and I became interested in it after that. That's terrific. Um, one of my professors in college uh, also translated Nietzsche and he was a German fellow. I just loved him. And so he was the Nietzsche expert, which was pretty cool for me. So, Nietzsche German, probably a laugh riot. <laughs> he was actually a lot of fun. He was many decades older than I was. And he would let me use his house when he went away. And he had a beautiful garden. And I once planted some chamomile seeds. I didn't know how, how many seeds would grow into what. And it was like a forest of chamomile. I had a lot of tea that summer. <laughs> so now growing up, did you go to the movies at all or not? Yep, there was a second round house in town. Um, and, you know, we didn't get the the early, we didn't get the brand new movies, but um, I spent a lot of time there. I really loved going to the movies. And did you have some favorite movies as a teenager, maybe, or something that really impacted you? I remember going to The Godfather as kids. Uh, my dad took all the boys because we weren't old enough, but he took all the boys in the neighborhood. Um, to see Godfather. Um, I remember, you know, Harry and Tonto, <laughs> A New Leaf was one of the, uh, I was pretty young. That was fantastic. Um, I just once. I don't remember any other specific films that were, um, uh, I can't remember offhand. Okay. And you weren't interested in acting or anything like no. that? No, 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 never. I never was on stage in grade school or high school, never did any of the plays or anything like that. No. Have you ever taken an acting class? 
I did. I ended up, uh, I took uh, an acting class. I took two. There was one I took, I, I started a program, you know, started to take a series of classes and I looked around and there was a, the wide receiver from the Chicago Bears was in there. And I was thinking one of us is in the wrong room. And I decided it was me. Um, and then I ended up taking a, a, a scene study class from uh, Kurt Nabig here in Chicago after I was already doing stuff. Yeah. But that was really good, I found. That's terrific. I was going to ask you how you as an actor prepare, to paraphrase somebody. <laughs> um, I read the material a lot. That's the single most important thing to me is just reading the material over and over and over and over again. Just getting, yep, that's the, for me, that's what I do. Well, I was studying acting at a late, I started this at a later age and um, I, I couldn't memorize all those lines and that's why I loved improv. I don't have to have any lines. So, um, okay. So do you ever go to, you'd ever go to theater like musicals or anything like that? I went to a couple. Um, when we, you mean growing up, you mean growing up as a kid, that wasn't, a yeah. um, no, we went to, I think I saw Greece. I can't remember of any other musicals I saw. We didn't go to theater at growing up. We just, we just didn't. Okay. So, um, You were in David Mamet's Glengarry Glen Ross. I was. What was that experience like for you? That's funny. I was just uh, having breakfast with somebody this morning who uh, we were talking about that. It was fantastic. It will probably be my favorite really? you know, play that I've ever been involved in. Yeah, it was fantastic. It, we had a, you know, it was the first time I worked at Steppenwolf. It was um, a great director, Amy Morton, and an amazing cast and a great play. Uh, and all those, all the guys in the cast, I'm still, we're, we've got, we're real close. Um, and it was, it was, it was really a, a fantastic experience. And then we got to do it in Chicago. And then we actually took it to uh, Dublin and also to wow. Toronto. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, mm -hmm. did you meet David? Mamet? I never have, no. no. Although Mike Nussbaum, who played Shelley in this production, was in the original production as Aronow. And um, uh, he's pretty fantastic. Wow, that's incredible. Now, do you have a favorite playwright? I know you're a writer, director, a lot of other things, but do you have a favorite playwright? Uh, um, I don't know. I like that Tracy Letts fella. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> um a favorite playwright no i don't know that i i do i like uh greenberg too um no i don't know that i do okay what do you like to do for fun i know you've got two sons but they may be out of the house by now i'm not sure they are they're both uh they're both adults one uh, one just got married a couple weeks ago and the other one's out in san francisco um and uh, what do I like to do for fun? I have a, I, I have a motorcycle. I like that. Um, I like to go out. I like the mountains. Um, uh, I did like you, to try to. Did you say I like to go out and hug mountains? I like the mountains. I just. Oh, I thought you said hug the mountains. 
uh, <laughs> um, or maybe I said hike, I don't know. Um, uh, and I like to try to write, enjoy that and hanging out with what I like most is fucking off with my buddies. That's what I like doing, sitting down for, for coffee or a meal and just fucking around. Yeah, that sounds good. It's great to fuck around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and also for fun, I like to improvise. I really enjoy it. That's wonderful. Because I think Stephen Colbert once said about you that he wished he could improvise like you. I might have misquoted him a little bit, but I know Stephen Colbert is a big fan. And you've played with a lot of the people that have ended up having shows and whatever fame. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, um, so what are you writing right now? A few things. I'm working on something that will hopefully be a TV show and I'm working on a play. Well, even though I don't like to learn lines, the TV show sounds fun to me. So, you know, write me in there somewhere, David. (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay. So how about, do you have any favorite actors, anybody that inspired you at all? Like Alan Arkin. Um, There's a lot of people, but uh, tough to, come up with a list but alan are going to be way up there yeah uh peter sellers um uh, i like the guys that can do a lot um rather than just be um the one thing uh, there's a there's an awful lot of uh, de niro uh, there there's uh cassavetes um harold ramus um yeah. actors brian doyle murray yeah i don't know there's lots I, of them. there's a lot and then there's a lot of names that i really that i could list that no one would would recognize but those are the ones that have impacted me the most the people who i work uh who I saw at Second City before I started working there and um, uh, and who I've been able to work with over the years. And a, a lot of them are not household names, but uh, they've I've learned the most from, from them probably. Are they in Something Wonderful This Way Comes? Um, uh, some, some of them, well, although those I didn't have any direct, you mean the Jeff Sweet book? Yeah, yeah. Um, something Wonderful Right Away. But uh, it's uh, that book itself was influential for me. Um, But I've not been able to work with a lot of the people that were mentioned in that book, although I have some of them. Uh, Judy Morgan was my very first teacher. um, and She was fantastic. She was part of that gang of folks, Brian Doyle Murray, Harold Rames, um, who I have been able. Yes. So some of them are in that book. But then there are others who came after that who were on stage at Second City when I was coming up. And we used to spend an awful lot of time uh, pretty much every night watching the free improv sets yeah. and watching those people improvise every single night. And that would be Megan Faye and uh, Jim Faye and Richard Kine and Mike Haggerty and uh, uh, Dan Castellaneta. Yeah. Um, just wonderful people to watch. So um, I met you once at Second City. I'm not quite sure the year it was. And I, I was standing right next to you someplace to get lunch. I have no idea where it was. And you were very tall. You're still tall. You're 6'3", right? I am. <laughs> That's pretty tall. <laughs> A towering presence. So 
Um, I was going to kind of drop some names and just ask you to kind of riff on them. Of course, TJ, your partner since what, 2008 or something? I, I don't know, before that. Before that. Um, uh, yeah, he's one of the best improvisers I've ever seen. He's, uh, uh, yeah, there's one who's influenced me more than, than most folks. Just, and Joel Murray, um, you know, I, I came up with him and, and he, uh, he and I also have a way of communicating like TJ. It's weird. Um, yeah, I, I'd rather be on stage with, with those, with, with them than just about anybody. It's really, it's so, um, easy to be uh to be with them on stage uh, yeah okay tj jagodowski a great guy and um fantastic improviser one of my uh, one of my best friends it's monday and they're gardening outside but i don't know if you can hear it or not i cannot all right great so i was going to ask you about joel murray now had you you know before i go to joel I, I love um, Bob Odenkirk in his book, and the book is so many filled with you know experiences. Some of them I think are similar to you. For example, he said that um, I think it was his brother that took him to his first improv show. Huh? Yeah, my brother was the first. I, I, I my brother was taking improv classes while he was in law school, so that he you know, would be more comfortable in front of people. And um, my mother insisted that I go with him. And I mean, this is, I'm at, I'm at least tw probably 20 years old. And my mother was insisting that I do something. Um, and uh, because I was kind of aimless at that time, I was in college and kind of not doing anything. And uh, I went and I, as I say, Judy Morgan was the teacher and um, she, uh, I really uh, enjoyed it from the very beginning. Never experienced anything like that before and really, really took to it from the, from the get-go. So be before you took classes, did you go to Rome with Joel Murray? No, that, that first class I took before I went to Rome. Then, so I finished these classes. There was a series of classes that you took. And the last one was uh, you uh, come up with your own sketch show with Josephine Forsberg, oh, wow. who, was one of, who was one of Viola's students. And it was her school. And, um, uh, and I, her kids were my teachers too, uh, Eric and Linnea. Um, and they were great. Eric directed me and stuff. And, um, and then, so the last, you came up with your own sketch show, uh, review that you performed on the stage at second city on a Sunday afternoon. And, um, and that was just a hoot, but that ended. And then I ended up in Rome about six months later. Uh, and I met Joel on the plane on the way over there. We'd never met before. I didn't have any, I didn't know anybody over there. And, um, we uh, we became friends and roommates, and uh, we actually did a little. Uh, we I think we we I don't think we performed at the um, the talent show there together. Uh, <laughs> yeah, down in the basement in this school in Rome, and uh, right across the street, uh, across the hall was Ike Riley, 
um, he he's a musician and I still do shows with him all the time. And we play his music before every TJ and Dave show and have for 20 years. He's a, a good friend of mine too. That is it. So um, Judy- Morgan- Then when we got, I'm sorry. Then when we got back to Chicago, Joel and I stayed in touch and we ended up then uh, performing a little bit together and uh, through some advice of one of his brothers, we ended up at Dell's workshops together. And Dell at that time was coming up with uh, the Herald. He was developing the Herald at that time. So we just happened to be there right at that amazing time. Someone wrote about you that you've carried on the torch for Dell Close. That's very nice to say. Oh, I said it, yeah. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's very nice of you. But... um... Your work is so incredible, TJ and Dave. The quiet, silent beginnings, just looking at each other. To me, it's like a dance kind of, that just goes. Yeah, and and I think it's still this, I'm still trying to do the same stuff today that I was uh, been trying to do since uh, working with Dell. So let's talk, I was going to name drop a bit, but let's talk a little bit about Dell now because um, Dell had different periods of his life, but he was just developing the Herald maybe when you got there. Yep. I ended up at just one of those really good moments in his life. I I ended up lucking out because I know that people have, uh, you know, run into Dell at different, at other points. And he wasn't nearly as helpful to them. You know, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Tim Kazarinski has, was on stage at Second City when Dell was the director. And he dealt, he knew Sober Dell, Junkie Dell, and uh, Drunk Dell. And he said the best one <laughs> was, was Junkie Dell. Uh, yep. He says bad news, but that was the best. Uh, and then after that was sober Dell and the third was drunk Dell. Well, one of my, uh, my first improv teacher studied with Dell. I think he was in the junkie stage back then. So, you know, and they would share joints together and things like that, but that's lightweight stuff. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, and he continued with the pot for a long time. Uh, but that quit everything else. By the time I knew him, he was, he was in, I, I caught him in a great spot and Sharna had uh, just gotten into business with him and was, uh, and that was really good for Dell and for everyone else. It was good for us too, because he was kind of inaccessible because of his own, you know, prowls. So Sharna was great. He was also a witch, wasn't he? Evidently, yeah, yep. <laughs> so, when you first started working with Dell, what were your first impressions? You'd taken some improv classes prior to that, but not a lot, or correct? I had taken that the the Players Workshop of the Second City was the name of the, the organization that was run by Josephine Forsberg, and it was five sessions of classes. And um, first teacher was Judy Morgan, and the the last one was doing that sketch show with Joe. And, um, and then I stopped, I thought that was, that's all there is, you know, and then 
uh, Joel and I ended up at Dell's class, which was at this place called Cross Currents in Chicago, which is gone now. And um, we went in and we had to audition to in front of the class for the class to for him and the class to okay us. And so we did. We did a scene and uh, he, it was okay. And then uh, and then we started taking classes there. And uh, it, it, I didn't know anything about Dell. Um, I'd always heard about Second City. I'd never been. Uh, and my parents always spoke highly of it. They'd been, but I never had. And um, uh, he happened to be doing this thing, coming up with this thing called the Herald. And we didn't, no one knew what it was because no one had done it. And it would had something that the, the committee did out in San Francisco many years before. But back then it was a placeholder in a show or it was used as a way to develop material that would then be turned into sketches. Um, and he wanted to do it as the evening's entertainment, a long, long form improvisation being the reason for the people coming to the theater. And no one had done that before. And uh, so at the beginning, we, you know, we didn't know how to do it. And they would fail a lot. And we were trying to figure out a way that he was trying to figure out a way that would make it more consistent. Um, so develop this, this kind of structure and refine the structure that he already had, actually. Uh, but we, there was a lot of trial and error. And well, that doesn't seem to work. Doesn't seem to work for this group doesn't seem to work. That doesn't seem to work for anybody. So we discard that and move on to the next thing that. So, and so I was going to say, um, some of my listeners may not be familiar with the Herald. So do you want to maybe explain what it is? Sure. Uh, uh, and also some of your listeners, do they all know who Dell is? A lot of them do. I interviewed Ed Greenberg, who was with. Oh, Ed. wonderful. Right. So then yeah. Ed Greenberg was the committee. Yeah. He, he was yeah. the group that did the Herald first, right? Um, so uh, the, the Herald was this, it was, an, uh, uh, it was an improvisation, a group improvisation, which was an exploration of a theme that had a particular structure. Um, but the, the, the real thrust of it was this exploration of a theme. So you'd get a suggestion and then explore it. And, and the notion is that the group mind, uh, the group is greater than the sum of the parts. So everyone contributes, but then something else is also happening. And uh, when, it, when you experience that, it's pretty wonderful and undeniable. Um, but uh, the way to do that is everyone has to kind of give over to this other thing in service of that. And that's hard to get a group of people to do. Um, and especially when you add the idea of the very real possibility of public humiliation to it, people tend to get a little bit more guarded and frightened. And so they behave from that, but that if they're behaving that way, it makes the herald impossible. Um, so uh, that's what we were doing. And and, and each of us, I think, at different times figured out, oh, it's, there really is something here. And once you experience it, you're not as afraid to 
give over to it again. It's beautiful and it's really well done. Um, did, sure you, is. did you study with Jeff Michalski? Michalski, I did. Uh, Jeff, I don't know, not studied with, but worked for. He was a director. Um, he was one of the directors that we had for uh, when I was in the touring company at Second City, um, as well as uh, Michael Gelman was my first director at the touring company in Second City. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, Jeff Michalski and John Michalski had a theater yeah. down the street uh, called Improv Institute, and that was wonderful. That was at the same time we were doing Cross Currents. That was the that was another sketch and improvisation theater. And I remember they did this 20, uh, 24 hour uh, annual thing that was just a hoot. And I remember getting a, a art group got a slot at like 3.30 a.m. It was great. So I was going to mention Michael Gelman because when I read his book, I thought it was so beautiful and so well done. I immediately tried to get him on a podcast, which we did. And I just was very, very impressed with that book. You, my listeners can't see it but the first two rows of my bookshelf are all improv books and flows into the third one as well so um fred cass oh my gosh uh wow i was so tim kazarinski was over just the other night and we were reminiscing at how fortunate we were to be in some of these people's orbits just and fred was one of them Fred, Dell, Bernie, Joyce, Sheldon Patinkin, just these greats. Um, and boy, Fred was just fantastic. Uh, it's said about people, but it was really true with him. He was, no matter where he was, far and away the coolest guy in the room, uh, no matter where he was. And he was just a dear, kind, ridiculously talented individual he was just uh wonderful wasn't and he missing some fingers he was he was uh as he said at his retirement party he lifted up his left hand which was missing the pinky and the part of the ring finger uh he just lifted up his hand and said funny thing happened on the way to my jazz career um <laughs> and he lost them in an accident while he was he was a, a kind of a prodigy and he lost a couple of fingers and so had to change gears. And he took over for Bill Matthew, um, who was stepping down from his job as the piano player at uh, Compass or Second City. I'm not actually sure, but Fred stepped in and uh, kind of developed in developed what it is to be that person, the, the accompanist, and actually. There was usually uh, seven people on stage. He was the eighth performer, right? He was the eighth cast member. Um, and he would, I was just talking to him about this, how he would support you. And you, you'd say something and think it was your idea. And then you go back and listen on the tape. Oh no, Fred prompted me to do that. You know, he, he was... Un, unsung, but it was amazing how much he could contribute and conduct from the piano without saying a word. It was wonderful. I, and we had that. So we also usually in the Herald at the beginning, we had an accompanist. And when they were good, that was wonderful. They were, it really felt like another, another cast member. It was, it was great. And they learned, you know, that job didn't exist before Fred. 
So a lot of people start off as working at the box office or being a waiter, waitress, uh, a second city. And one of my teachers, Laura Hall, had learned, yeah, Laura and Rick, and Laura learned from Fred. I mean, she Mm -hmm. watched him and of course she's brilliant in her own right, but, and he was so kind and generous and taught her so much. And I'm sorry, I didn't ever get to meet him. Sounds like- Yeah, and and that was the thing about Del too. He was super, he was really generous. If you had any question about anything, if you wanted to know anything that he knew, he'd give it to you. His experience, his wisdom, uh, he, he'd give it to you. He was, he was great that way. He was a dick too. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, he, he was, he was pretty wonderful also. And he really cared about improvisation. Yes. But he was really well, well read, right? I mean, Dell. Yeah. He was probably the smartest guy, maybe one of the smartest guys I knew. Um, he's up there. There's a couple of them. Ramus was another one. Like ridiculously smart. Now, I want to ask you about how, what kind of things do you, are you a avid reader? What kind of things do you like to read? When you're not I like short stories. stories. I read, I read, uh, <laughs> I read a lot of detective stuff, like uh, Italian, Italian detective stories. I get a big kick <laughs> out of, um, and then I like short stories too. I'm, I, I read and reread Salinger all the time. Yeah. Can't beat him. It's amazing. And I think that's the one of the reasons that I uh, revisit Salinger is because I, the way he communicates is so rich and it's so helpful for an improviser. The, uh, like there's a, a guy, Mike Coleman, who's a Chicagoan who lives out in uh, Los Angeles now, but a great improviser. And he, the way he says things or what he says it's so full that, oh, someone who says that could only say that if that's a friend of forever um, who, and they have a shared history and, and language. It's just, and so I find that with, um, with Salinger too, just a, 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 a line of description that tell, it opens up a whole world. And so to be able to communicate so much so sparingly is really helpful for an improviser, I think. Beautiful, yeah. I met one of his editors at the New Yorker and he was teaching down here in Staples, Florida, uh, a writer's workshop, but also he knew uh, JD. And so it was really interesting. He said something like, you know, if he asked JD for all the material that hadn't you know, been submitted, where, where was he keeping it? And JD said, I tore it up, I burned it. If a New Yorker wouldn't take it, I got rid of it. I'm wondering, did the editor have to change much? No. Okay. No, he didn't change anything, to my, as I recall. No. Not Great. Great. So going back to music for a second, did you ever do musical improv? Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I have attempted it in um, workshops and things, and I, I know enough to know that that is not something I'm capable of doing. Hmm. I did it enough to know I should not do that. I should not attempt that anymore. As a public service, I don't sing in public. <laughs> I probably shouldn't do it, but I really love it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not good at it. And I'm, I don't think I'm going to be good at it. And um, that's okay. Well, 
you're certainly great at what you do. So I want to drop some names now and just ask you to kind of riff off of them, okay? Mm -hmm. Viola Spolin. Well, I never, uh, yeah, I, that's the, I remember a, a friend of mine, Tommy Crowley, he, he knew I was interested in improvisation and he bought me, uh, he bought me some books. He bought me Sid Field's screenplay and he bought me Viola Spolin's uh, Games for the Theater, Improvisation for the Theater. And I, he couldn't have known how perfect each of those is. They're the best the best for each. Um, and yeah, I was just talking, was I talking to about Viola just a couple of days ago? She's, yeah, she's absolutely amazing and wouldn't be here without her, right? Um, we wouldn't be here without her. She's the, the mother of American improvisation for sure. And also that it's a, you know, a public, you know, works progress it's a WPA thing, right? It's a, it's a communist movement, man. Uh, it's really wonderful. And, and I um, never, also, I never met Paul. Um, I've seen him Paul? a couple, no, I, I'd seen him a couple of times and, uh, but I'm certainly been the recipient of a lot of his work, you know, the beneficiary. Yeah, his wife, Carol, is doing a player's workshop, player theater workshop in Door County this summer and I'm going. Oh, wonderful, really wonderful. Excited. I know, I'm real excited about that. Um, and you know, they were there when the 60, was it, 68, 69 elections were going on in Chicago and some the, of the protesters were seeking solace in their studio. Yeah, 68, yeah. Mm -hmm. So crazy. You were the only- Democratic convention. Yeah, yeah, I never forget it. Did you play Abby Hoffman in something? I did. I played Abby Hoffman in the Chicago Conspiracy Trial, the, the, my, the first play I ever did. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's great. What a character. That was really great. Yeah, that was a fun production for the Remains Theater. That was great. Okay, David Shepard. Oh, great. Uh, another one. Uh, one of them commies. He was fantastic. So I got the, uh, I, uh, so David Shepard and Sharna, they had Improv Olympic. They're the ones who started it. And it was uh, games. Um, and, you know, it was people's theater. That was David's thing. And he was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And once I was at Second City, he came in and took us for a week. And we, he taught us living newspaper and uh, um, scenario plays and things like that. And it was wonderful. Uh, and we, that was the only time I, I we, he'd have us, the, as an exercise, we, got into character and stayed in it for 24 hours and never, never done that before. And I ended up meeting up with one of the other guys, Chris Barnes, who was in our company. Um, and we ended up just running into each other. Our characters ran into each other at a restaurant and had dinner together. And it was absolutely hilarious. We just, I mean, we were doing it, you know, as best we could, but um, looking back on it, it was absolutely hilarious but I learned a lot from doing that and he, he taught he taught I, I really loved David and again boy talk about a guy who loved improvisation Ab absolutely fantastic and when he'd come to town I'd, I'd visit with him and he was really uh, a wonderful guy absolutely absolutely ended up in Toronto and uh that the troop lives on so mm -hmm. 
absolutely. I got to speak to him once only briefly, but David had kind of a salty language and it was kind of near the end. So I never published it, of course, but um, what a wonderful teacher he was. The wonderful, yeah. And an advocate for improvisation and just the benefits of it. And absolutely. Well, Bernie Sound. Bernie Sounds, wow. Again, I, just, I mentioned him earlier, just feel fortunate to have uh, been around him. So he never really directed me at Second City. I was in the company, I had just gotten into the company and uh, we were starting to put up the next show and he retired um, right when that happened. I ended up working with him later a couple of times, once for a Second City show and once for a, an original thing. Uh, but in addition to that, I got to spend time with him and his wife, Jane, and we were, we ended up becoming uh, pretty good friends. And I just, and he's one of those folks that I, I feel that way a lot about a lot, a lot of people in my life and, and usually people older than me. I just feel fortunate that I get to spend time with them. Every time I leave, I'm thinking, wow, I, I'm really lucky. I get, I just got to hang out with so-and-so. It's just, and Bernie for sure is one of them. He, uh, just a wonderful man. And also, you know, not a lot of people know how much Bernie and Sheldon and Jane and Joyce Sloan uh, fostered the theater community in Chicago. There wouldn't have been the, the theater scene in Chicago without them because they were, they were an established uh, institution. And these upstarts are coming in like Steppenwolf and, and they, they really helped them a lot. When you said Jane, Jane who? Jane Stalins, Bernie's wife. Okay, great. All right, here's another one. Keith Johnstone. I never met him. Never met him. Uh, I know, but that's it. Okay. Um, McNapier. McNapier. McNapier came, came up just a little after me through Dell. He's great. Uh, we, TJ and I do our shows at his theater. His is the, his is the last last man standing. Um, uh, it's fantastic. I, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the Annoyance Theater and Mick um, and just really happy that it's, that he's continuing uh, uh, with that theater. It's fantastic. I love, we were working up there. TJ and I do our shows up there and couldn't be happier to be uh, associated with it. I used to, I remember doing shows with him when it was Metroform. The very first thing they did was splatter theater. And I would go in and do a little half time, you know, at the intermission, we'd do some sketches sometimes. And that was madness. It was wonderful. It was just madness. Yeah. And his book really influenced me because up until the time I read his book, there was getting these rules in improv. So yeah, no more rules. Okay. Um, Tell me a little bit about your relationship with Sharna. Uh, pretty great. I really, uh, um, and I can't mention Mick without Jen, uh, that they're, they're both fantastic. Um, uh, Sharna has been a, uh, just a, an advocate for me for a long time. She's been great. She's let me, you know, basically kept me alive for a long time. Um, let me live in her house. Uh, let me, you know, work for her, uh, get, you know, uh, kind of an intern thing. So I didn't have to pay for classes, couldn't afford them. And she's, and also in addition to that, has that's that her place was, if I had such a thing, it would have been an artistic home or something like that. I would consider it her place because she just let us, let me 
try anything. Um, and it was really a wonderful thing to have. Um, she's always been great to me. I just love the Improv Olympic and Sharna. You know, they're opening it up again. That's what I hear. Yeah. Now you were doing the annoyance on Wednesday nights. Are you going back there again? Not the annoy the I.O. on Wednesday nights. Um, we're not doing, we don't have a regularly scheduled show any longer. Um, we stopped doing our weekly show after about, I don't know, 15 years we did it every week. Um, and that, then we, we stopped doing that before, before COVID. We stopped doing our weekly show. Since you said the C word, how has it affected your life? Um, not at all. I haven't even noticed it. Um, no, we, uh, you know, there's no, it removes live performance, which was, a, uh, which was tough because even when I'm not working and other stuff, I always was able to um, stay, if not busy, I was able to stay somewhat sane by doing live performance whenever I felt like it. And then once that's removed and you're, and I'm not working on other stuff, that was hard for me. Um, Cause uh, to be totally idle is a real difficult thing for me. And it was always, if there's stages around in Chicago, I, I'd always do something. So that's mostly how it affected me, negatively. Positively, I traveled a little bit and you had the world to yourself. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm hoping I don't misquote or mispronounce something, but um, of course your acting is terrific. Oh, Amy Sedaris. You know, when oh, yeah. I read the, uh, the book, TJ and Dave at the Speed of Life. Perfect. <laughs> You know, I almost stopped at the introduction because it was so great. I love her. And I know you've worked with Amy Sedaris. What's that been like? Uh, so she was just a little after us at Second City. And her gang was a pretty great gang. Mitch Rouse, Paul Donello, Steve Colbert, and Amy. And, uh, and then they went to New York to do a stage show with Jody Lennon. And um, and then they got a show called Strangers with Candy, a television show for for Comedy Central. And I, they brought me out and I, I wrote on that for a while. And Mick came out and directed them. And uh, it was really a hoot. And then Strangers with what did I say? Strangers with Candy. I meant to say Exit 57 was the first one they did. And then Strangers with Candy. They had me come out and work on that with them uh, as an actor. And I had a ball doing that. Um, and then again with, uh, at home with Amy Sedaris and, and, and Paul Danello again. And it, it's, that's a great gang of people to hang around with. It's really fun. Um, and, and then I got to work with Amy, on um, book of Boba Fett, the star Wars thing. And yes. that was a hoot as well. That's. Both, I, I, both of us were just kind of just, if we'd think about it, you know, remove ourselves from the situation and think about it. It was so absurd and so hilarious that the two of us are just fucking off in, on a Star Wars backlot. And we were having the time of our lives. It was really fun. Just goofing off. It was great. What's it like wearing that big hat? Uh, it, it's not just a if it was a hat, that would be easy because that sounds like a hat comes off. 
Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, is it like a prosthesis somehow? Or yeah, it's yeah, it's a uh, it's about uh, about an hour and a half in makeup every morning, mm. and then you wear that thing all day, and then it takes a while to take it off too. It's uncomfortable, uh, but it's it was the job itself was really fun, really fun. Yeah, I enjoy your character. I've been watching it, joining the teenagers. <laughs> a lot of people watch it that are grown ups as well. So, um, you know, one of the things I just love, of course, and during the pandemic, I, I wasn't going out, I was staying in. So I rewatched a lot of sitcoms. I rewatched Curb Your Enthusiasm, Seinfeld, and Veep. Now, what a great character you were on Veep. Oh my God, just loved Andrew. That was really fun. So I wondered, um, was was there any improv going on with that or was it totally scripted and blocked and whatever? Um, it, it's it, both. Um, they used to have, uh, earlier on, they, they would have table read and then you'd put the scripts down and then you'd get up and just, uh, now we want to see you and you in the party that those people were at. It's not in the script. These, you know, these two characters weren't at that party. We're going to put you at the party. What? And then they, you just improvise and the writers would take notes. And um, it was really wide open and it was great. And then you'd get another script that would have maybe some of that stuff in there. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe that scene, whatever. But it was, everyone was, everyone was there just to try to make it better. And then when you shoot it, you shoot the script. And then there's also, they leave room for some, fucking around right so terry walsh also was in it a i saying that wrong from ucb a uh, matt walsh matt walsh sorry I, I deeply researched our interviews as you can tell david <laughs> yeah matt right and a lot of people were from chicago in that show uh kevin dunn's from chicago gary cole's from the uh remains theater uh where i did my first play um, Julia went to Northwestern and she opened up the, the, the space that is the ETC theater, her company, the practical theater company opened that space. Um, and, uh, uh, who else? Uh, Tim Simons, Anna Klomsky, all, all yeah, from Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, did you, you must've had a lot, you had a lot of scenes with Julia. And she was she was Second City, and she was she was not Second City. She, oh, she was, was Practical Theater and SNL. Okay. Um, she uh, she and she's fantastic. And again, those people that are just real generous to work with. Um, she was great. I had such a great time on that show. And generous, it comes from the top down. Everybody on that show was like that. The kindest brightest group of people all playing complete assholes and idiots right. <laughs> uh it was really it was really fun and the the, the creators and uh, the second you know uh armando yanucci uh and uh and then the dave mandel and the gang in los angeles everybody was really really pretty fun so did you live out there for a while while you're doing that? Or did you fly back? Home I go back and forth. I, I go, go back and forth. Um, 
I've, I've had an apartment in Los Angeles a bunch of times, but I never really had it as a residence. Chicago's always been my permanent residence. Now, you have been married a long time. Can you tell me how you met your wife and what do you attribute the longevity of your relationship? Um, as, I, as I used to say, I'm, I'm, the reason I don't get divorced is I'm too lazy to set up a schedule to see my kids. Um, no, uh, we met, actually, the, we first met at the ETC at Second City. I just happened to be walking through and I... Um, I had spent some time with my wife's coworker in Los in, in New York the week before, as she was dating Joel Murray's brother Andy, and uh, and I was in New York, and um, Andy took me, let me stay at his apartment. Andy and John let me stay at their apartment, and so I met this, and I, I just happened to be walking through the theater. And she said, hey, hi. And I met her. And at that same time, I met Joan Marie, who uh, would become my wife. That was the first time we met. And we ended up hitting it off right away, immediately. And, you know, for a entertainment couple and improvisers, they, a lot of times those marriages burn and dive sometimes. So my other part of my question was, besides the divorce, these two ladies get a schedule for the divorce. Um, honestly, you've had a long marriage marriage and I, I think that's beautiful um yeah it's uh she's not very bright I think is probably the reason <laughs> so um some of the things that you've been in may, may not be is she in the next room <laughs> uh, she was in here earlier so that's why I had to mute for a while okay um some of the things that you've done, uh, not everybody is familiar with them, but some are. You're doing Inferno. That's a current project, is it? Or are you? Oh, yeah, that was a pilot. That's uh, You can see it on Tubi, I think. Something, because I did see it. Yeah, I did see it. And um, some of the older ones, Lodge 49, which was one Lodge 49 is, I'm a big fan of of Lodge 49. Um, and you were marvelous in it. Oh my God, your character was great. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it was, it's pretty wonderful. I, I'm big, uh, very proud of that being, uh, uh, proud of. I'm, I feel fortunate to have been on that show and, and really impressed with the writing by Jim Gavin. And was a, uh, it was a treat to be in that group of, of actors. That was, that was really fun. It's on Roku. You can see Inferno on Roku. Yes, Just looked yes. it up. That's where I saw it. And yeah, Lodge 49 is available on Hulu. There's only two seasons. Right. And then some other, you were in Angels and Demons. I was indeed. Wow. That was really fun. And you were in Groundhog Day to talk about I was. Movies. <laughs> yeah. that was That was, that was, I was, that was a long time ago. I was pretty young. And, and uh, next thing I know, I'm in a room and they like, yeah, we're just going to, the director says, we're just going to have a rehearsal with these two. And these two was me and Bill Murray and the director was Harold Ramis. So it was just the three of us in a room for a while working on this scene. Wow. It was, I'm like, and I, I kind of pinch yourself, you know? Classic movie. Um, so, uh, 
So I've looked at some earlier stuff too, like I took a walk. Did I get that right? I oh gosh, yeah, that's uh you wow. were a baby. You were a baby then. Yeah, that was Michael Kaplan, I think. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And um smoking aloud in the flag smoking aloud in the lobby. Oh, flag smoking. That was at the second that was a second city show. Um uh that was a that was a great great show flag smoking permitted in lobby only right that was when there was the reason for that name was because they uh they they stopped you used to be able to smoke in the theater right and uh and they stopped that during i guess during that show and you but you could still smoke in the lobby at, at intermission and before the show and we could still smoke on stage yeah. And I remember in that show, I smoked in every single scene. That was fun. I bet it was. I bet it was. So if I think I know the answer to this, David, but if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? I'm doing it. Yeah, that's uh, I just doing it. I just like to do more of it. I mean, you think you hear people saying that they, you know, if they win the lottery, they'd never work again. I winning the lottery would be to be able to do this more. That's all. And you connected with the theater in Chicago? I'm not. You know, as I say, the the only one I had any you know long term association with was IO, um, and that that's that's no more. So no, I don't have any. I I sure like a Red Orchid. Uh, it's a great little theater uh, on Well Street, and I've been. I, I sure love them. So the first time I went to Chicago, because I did all my learning online way before the pandemic, because I'm in a little town in Florida. And so uh, Jimmy Corain, I went out to Chicago to take a weekend with Jimmy Corain. He's a, he's a riot too. And yes, he is. I think he's interviewed you a few times. So great guy. He's great. And again, being on Zoom now, so I was going to ask you, and I, I will ask you two questions. Are you going to be in Florida this year? I will be in, I believe I will be in Florida in February, up somewhere in the panhandle. What are you going to be doing there? <laughs> A Star Wars convention. David, the David, um, the, the David Shepard, I'm sorry, uh, David Pesquisi, the actor, the improviser, they're just going to know you as that character, right? And want you yeah, I think probably that's gotten more viewing than anything I've been in would be my guess. That's probably my guess is that because usually the stuff I do is pretty, you know, uh, smaller scale than, well, anything smaller scale than Star Wars. <laughs> so another thing is, do you teach at all? I, uh, once in a while, we, uh, TJ and I will teach a workshop. I'm teaching a little bit in Italy when I go, um, nice. teaching, not really teaching, coaching, stuff like that. Um, but not much. I, uh, not much. I'm not very good at it. I'm not, not very, no, no. I'm, I have a couple reasons. I, I don't think I'm very patient and, um, and also, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the one responsible for, you know, 
making somebody feel bad and not do this anymore, you know? Boy, I highly doubt. I think you seem like a very gentle person. Are you a meditator? I am. How long have you been doing that? On and off uh, for about, I don't know, 30 years. On and off. Sometimes I stop. I don't know why. Because it works. It works really well, so I stopped doing it. <laughs> I I think, you know, I think great improv is very meditative. And that phrase mindfulness in the act of improvising, to be in the moment, totally. Yeah, well, it works better that way, that's for sure. And so one of the things is to try, I try to get kind of uh, quiet before a show so that I can kind of, so that I can pay attention better. Because there's no rehearsing. Well, actually we, TJ and I do rehearse. Oh, you do? Oh, we do. We start, we do the beginning of our show for about 15 minutes and then stop and discuss it and then do another beginning for about 15 minutes. Oh. Mm -hmm. That's our rehearsal. Just to make sure we're all on the same, you know, that, hey, was this that? Was this this? Was this, we're, we're, was that correct at the very beginning, this assumption that we were there? And So you got what they used to call mind meld. Maybe they still do. They got that mind meld going on a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we got to make sure that we still do. Right. Um, that's what those rehearsals are for. And also to try to, um, try to, you know, if we don't want to get too comfortable because um, that's not, what it's supposed to be, I don't think. Um, it's not supposed to be comfortable and easy. It's supposed to be challenging, exciting. Well, okay, I gotta admit, I'm a super fan. You and TJ are the greatest improvisers in the world. Um, <laughs> and Victor wrote a nice book about you too. <laughs> Did she? I'll have to read it. <laughs> Cause I interviewed her after I read it. So uh, anyway, this has been a thrill for me and um, I hope you've had fun today too. Absolutely. Thanks, Margo. I'm a big fan of improvisation, so I'm always happy to, to talk about it. I just really get a kick out of it. Great. Well, anything else you'd like to say to begin? Do you ever give advice to beginners or you think you'll ruin them by giving them even a piece of advice? No, I, I don't. I think there's, you know, you, one of the things is that you should find out what it is. Try everything to find out what it is that really gets you going the most and then find other people who have those same desires that's it and we don't want to find other assholes though i think well if that's what if that's your desire you need them right <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're only interested in you know doing shithead stuff you need other shitheads yeah right <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your precious gift of time and your generosity, David. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Margo. Bye.